Hey there, friends. How's it going? My name is Kyle Devlin, and I am the host of this podcast. This is the Having a Blast podcast. Having a Blast is a pop punk and emo podcast where we'll be doing a deep dive on important albums and bands. We'll also be speaking with band members, producers, and friends. If you happen to like what you hear, if you could do me a huge favor, perhaps give us a five-star review. That just really helps get the algorithms working in our favor, and then more people can hear the podcast. Or Another thing that really helps us out is if you share it with a friend. If you've got a friend that enjoys this type of music, pop punk and indie, I'd greatly appreciate it. All right, without further ado, let's get into it. friends what is up welcome to the show this is having a blast my name is kyle we do deep dives on important albums and bands as well as interview band members behind the scenes crew and friends today i am speaking with a friend i'm speaking to my buddy tyler harms tyler and i go way back he played in a band called fourth and long from st louis missouri and we played some shows with them back in the early 2000s he moved to kc a few years ago and i'm always running into him at shows which is always fun he mentioned to me a while ago that the newest MXPX record, their self-titled record, has become his favorite of theirs, and I really wanted to dig into that. I think it's awesome when a band that has been around as long as MXPX has can put out an album so well-received from their fans. So we do a deep dive on their latest album. We talk about many other things as well, but we go deep on the newest album. We also talk about how listening to this album has become almost like a ritual for Tyler. It's a cue for putting him in a great mood. We talk about him going to Bremerton and participating in a first listen to the album as well. He got to hear it before the rest of us did, and that's really cool. He talks about that. So without further ado, please enjoy this MXPX discussion with my buddy, Tyler Harms. About the time that I could forget, I got a job doing landscaping. Those days were long and my own boss was me. About the time that I turned 16. How you doing today, man? It's been, you know... Uh, a fun, fun morning, fun weekend. Just uh, finished up with band practice for the cover band that I play in. So. Oh, cool! I didn't know you were in a cover band. Maybe you told me that. Ah, it's hard to say. Um, we're not. Uh, <laughs> we're not great. Used to play at bars and breweries. Kind of stopped playing before COVID, and COVID really just, you know, sent it into like maybe in the future someday. And yeah. We had a friend who's getting married this November, and he's like, "Hey, would you guys play at my wedding?" And we're like. Sure. Uh, cool. So should be a good time. So that's what you're rehearsing for? Yeah, yeah. We're kind of trying to figure out how much material we still remember from years ago. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. It's probably a lot of muscle memory. I remember when I was playing in a cover band, there'd be nights where I wouldn't practice for six weeks or something. And then I get up there and I go, okay, well, hopefully my fingers <laughs> do the thing. Yeah, it's tough. There's some it's of the simplest songs that just like... Yep, that is not in my brain anymore. What are some of your favorite cover songs to play? One that we do that I have fun with, although I struggle, is Mr. Jones by Counting Crows. Like That's a fun one. Do some like Creedence Clearwater Revival. I mean, it's all very run-of-the-mill kind of stuff. but All over the do, map. Uh, yeah, we also do Creep pretty well. Get to show off a little bit with my vocals. So By Radiohead? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Rad. Okay, so you guys are stretching the gamut. You're doing alternative songs, pop songs, 90s, 70s, yeah. 80s too? Yeah, there's definitely some 80s. I think we go from the oldest song that we play is from the mid 50s, I think. And then we go up to like the mid aughts. I don't think we play anything from 2010 on. Okay, we're old. that's fair. Music is dead to me from that point on. No, it's not. <laughs> Just kidding. We're, well, we're talking about an album. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> if this is going to be an interesting conversation, if this album is dead to you. <laughs> That's true. Hey, you know, I could have framed it that way. Like, oh, new MXPX. I'm not a fan. Rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> but I just happen to be a huge fan of this new record and all of the subsequent new-ish MXPX tunes. And I'm very grateful for the fact that we're still getting MXPX tunes. But I was going to ask you, what song from the early aughts or the mid-aughts do you guys play? You guys play the middle? Do. Uh, you really? You got to play the yeah. middle, man. It's just an yeah. easy pop song. Everybody knows it. Yeah, that's a good one. And that's one for me that has a lot of memories attached to it. Oh, yeah. I remember being at like high school dances. Like, yeah, a rock song. I kind of know this one. Yeah, Jimmy yeah. World. 
<laughs> and that solo is just absolutely classic oh yeah another classic song for sure yeah i stopped playing in my cover band right before covid it didn't have anything to do with covid because covid wasn't a thing yet but i told my good friend sean whom you may know he was a singer of the american life i don't think i know him Okay, cool. He's longtime friend. He's my business partner as well in the space. He's also a personal trainer. But I told him because he was in the cover band and he predominantly did most of the booking and stuff and organization. And I asked him if we could maybe hold off on shows just because they were taking up so much time on the weekends and stuff. And I was really busy. And then within maybe like a month, COVID hit and all shows were pretty much done out the window so weird timing but yeah a familiar story even if you know some of the events happened in a slightly different order absolutely man let's talk about mxpx yeah all right (laughs) (laughs) so before we jump into the band that we're going to talk about today how did we meet do you remember the first time we met was it 2003 when we played with fourth and long and did we play in st louis first and then play i think it was st louis first yeah okay and so that would have been at the creepy crawl that had to have been the first time that we saw you because i just gave was just beyond nuts like (laughs) you know doing his water spitting tricks and I don't think he quite did flips off of the walls but he definitely like jumped off of the walls uh, while he was playing drums and (laughs) it was it was a spectacle like nothing I had ever seen and so like that was uh, just so revolutionary it's like Oh, okay. So punk rock can be this too, huh? So that would be going to be jazzed scene. to hear that, man. There was so many times where I had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> I would just, I would sort of see him in my peripheral, yeah. like jumping up during a break or something and just hoping he came down on the beat and didn't destroy <laughs> yeah. his kick pedal. Yeah, it, it was absolutely nuts. And uh, yeah, we, we had a really good time, you know, at that show and then sort of a trade kind of thing. And then we played with you guys at the El Torreon, Kansas City. Do you remember um, who else played? I don't. I don't think it was fed up. Uh, okay. Yeah, but, it may have been local bands for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think Game Time was was headliner. Uh, so, oh, okay. Yeah, it was a great time. Definitely. Thank you guys for the experience. Of course. <laughs> I remember going out to IHOP afterward. Uh, that was always my favorite part, going out <laughs> afterwards for yeah. breakfast foods at Denny's or IHOP. <laughs> yeah. When was the first uh, time you heard MXPX? I think it was the summer of 99, maybe? Okay. Uh, it would have been right before I started high school. So we grew up in a like rural town. Uh, it's about an hour-ish outside of St. Louis. And, uh, you know, you could buy CDs at Walmart or whatever. But yeah. like, if you really wanted the good stuff, you had to go to the city. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we would just basically organize yeah like these little like group rides or whatever and then then, like at that time none of us were even 16 so the parents would drive us up to the city so we could go to best buy and check out music a friend of mine scott who was the lead guitarist and primary songwriter for fourth and long he you know basically helped hand me this album and he says hey you should buy this and you should listen to it and that was at the show okay Um, and that as far as i know that was my first exposure to mxpx which ultimately put me in kind of a weird spot i didn't know it until like 20 years later but that was again one of those just like revolutionary life-changing like i was never the same after that point you know Mm -hmm. i listened to a lot of like 60s pop and a lot of like 90s country up to that point and then you know for me one of the biggest things about music is like the energy and the delivery i can you know let some production things slide and even if the songwriting is a little bit cliche or whatever you know for me it's always been about just that like raw feeling and at the show is just like a capsule of that, you know. At the show, I think was mostly his songs off of Buffalo, so it's some of the like best songwriting that MXPX had done, but performed in a way that for me translated a lot better. As much as I appreciate the songs on those older albums, they're a little bit hard for me to listen to. They they just sound a little tired. Like these poor kids mm-hmm. have been locked in a studio for a week or whatever. And so I, I much prefer to listen to the live versions of those songs. And, you know, there's also that touch point. But that's how I came to be introduced to MXPX. And then they also somewhat coincidentally, maybe, were the first like real concert that I went to and Again, we didn't have driver's licenses, so my mom drove us up to the pageant in St. Louis, and we saw MXPX, Slick Shoes, and Good Charlotte. Oh, cool. Uh, Yeah. The pageant. Classic venue. It's still there, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. And uh, right next door to it now is oh, crap. I can't remember the name of it, but I think it's basically the same people that own it. Had the smaller like 700 cap venue. Oh, cool. And it's a great place. I saw Less Than Jake there and Newfound Glory, and I I prefer it to the pageant, but they're both fantastic and you know good people there. Very cool. Yeah, the Creepy Crawl. I believe they closed maybe in the mid 2000s, early yeah. 2005 or 2006. Or was it yeah. more after that? And then they moved. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, as far as I know, nothing good really happened after they moved. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was a bigger space, but I remember it didn't sound very good in there. It was kind of claustrophobic. It had a bar atmosphere at one point. If it's the same place that I'm thinking of, and I'm pretty sure you mentioned Slick Shoes. I saw Slick Shoes there and Yellow Card. And I think oh. Don't Look Down, and it may have been 2004 or end of 2003 or something. I think Game Time was still a band when I drove out there for that show. But yeah. So at the show, it's a bummer that that's not on Spotify because I really love that live album. <laughs> yeah. I think thing like crazy. It's fantastic. And, you know, I do enjoy the the later live albums. There's a little bit more crowd in the mix, and that kind of takes me out of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So at the show is still the quintessential live MXPX. I love the Ramones cover, too. KKK Uh, took it away. So catchy. The first band that I was ever in, we actually covered that cover. (laughs) We loved it so much. We might have as well. We definitely covered, like, GSF and Chick Magnet. So good. Very first one. Yeah. Did you listen to Let It Happen, their B-Sides record? That, I think, is the album that I have owned the most copies of, at least on CD, uh, because I kept breaking them or scratching them. So I think (laughs) I had three or four copies of Let It Happen over the years. I loved it. Red. I'm looking up a song because I don't want to block it. It's so weird how they designate things on Spotify. It's under compilations. What is it called? Is it called Let It Happen? I think it is called Let It Happen. That's the one where you hear Tom smile upon my face. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's one of my favorite NXPX tunes. It's so good. I love that song. They played it live on one of their live streams the other night. And I was just like, yes, thank you. (laughs) I think... I want to say Aaron Sprinkle had something to do with that one. I think that was an early Aaron Sprinkle production song that just didn't make it on an album for whatever reason. But I love that song. Yeah, that whole, I mean, without getting into tooth and nail mess, you know, labels or whatever. But uh, that collection of songs is phenomenal. Um, So fun. I really love it. I didn't really understand what B-Sides records were back then. I thought, oh, it was just another MXPX record. But then you listen to it. And I remember Lagwagon was the same way. They put out Let's Talk About Feelings. And then a year later or a year and a half later, they put out Let's Talk About Leftovers. And I just assumed that was another new Lagwagon record. It was a collection of B-Sides from all the albums. Yeah, I didn't really have a good idea of what B-Sides were probably until Less Than Jake sort of hit the nail on the head or hit me over the head with like, B is for B-sides. And I was like, yep. oh, what's a B-side? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't have Wikipedia back then. We couldn't look it up, you know, we couldn't yeah. Google it. Yeah. I mean, I could, but is that what I wanted to spend my 28.8K <laughs> baud connection on? Exactly. Yeah, it might take an hour to download the Wikipedia page. <laughs> The other thing, you know, for bands like ours, we didn't have B-sides. If you went through the trouble of going to a studio and recording anything, you put it out. You put it on your EP. Even if you weren't the biggest fan of it, you need more songs, you know? I mean, Game Time, we were existing as a band on two EPs for four years, almost. So not enough material. But the new album, that's what we're going to be discussing today. That's right, yeah. And this came out 20 years, roughly. 2018, officially. 20 years after you first heard them, after you first heard their enigmatic energy from (laughs) at the show live recording which was a really good sounding live recording what drew you back to mxpx was there a time where maybe you weren't listening to mxpx all the time can you tell me a little bit about how you listen to this frequently i think you told me (laughs) you listen to this every night Uh, not every night i listen to it every friday so like friday this album, the MXPX self-titled, and, you know, again, a little bit on the nose, but there are at least two, maybe three songs on here that are like Fridays, you know, uh, there's mm-hmm. Friday tonight and there's, you know, all we need is a Friday night. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, that as silly as it is, it's like, hey, it's Friday. It is Friday morning. I can start out my morning with Rolling Strong. Like you get those nice little like me, you know, guitar cable plugging in things, which like, you know, that that means it's going to be a good album, right? Yeah, that's the key, right? (laughs) Yeah. So we we hit it off with Rolling Strong and it just, it helps put me in a good frame of mind to to power through my Friday. And Friday afternoons, I listen to Boston's self-titled. Nice. 
That's just my tradition. <laughs> There's a nice juxtaposition in there somewhere. New York yeah. Boston self-titled. I mean, both yeah. are going to lift your spirits, I think. Yeah. Both are fairly energetic in different ways but that boston record there's a lot of upbeat songs yeah major chord progression songs there's like a little bit of like a psychedelic vibe in some yeah. of it and so it's like this is like my my moment of transcending the week uh you know <laughs> into the weekend yeah i'm getting out uh, friday we're just gonna let all the bad vibes go and we're gonna rock the weekend so that's amazing dude i am so gonna put a boston <laughs> song on the end of this episode <laughs> oh that's awesome from that record going back to rolling strong last night i just went through all the songs and just got some notes down mm -hmm. and the first thing i wrote for rolling strong is the rancid bass intro which is just so cool that just reminds yeah. me of Matt Freeman. Yeah, it's it's definitely a solid intro. Yeah, it's got the type of bass intro or bass part where you're filling in the gaps with those mid mm -hmm. notes, you know, you're not just going on the pentatonic scale of the major. Yeah. yeah, I love that sort of, you know, just as like setting the tone for the whole album. Mike is one of my like personal heroes, you know, and uh, he's the reason that I play bass. And I love, you know, this album, you get the, like this little bit of the, you know, setting up noise. And then you start off with this really aggressive bass part. And then of course, I mean, it's the Ernie Ball. They've changed Easy, the name so many times. Yeah. Like yeah. Sterling, Stingray, you know, that's just a, such a classic sound. Those basses sound amazing. And to me, like, like that is Mike. And so I think yeah. it's so cool to to just sort of come out with this, like, oh, hey, remember this? So both, both that Yeah, the Stingray sound, it is almost synonymous with my career at this point, NMXPX. And I like how you can still hear it punch through the mix of the guitars. Yeah. It's not like it's the three-piece, even though I know Chris is playing with them pretty much all the time now. I was watching a lot of the music videos and he's included in all of them, but this sounds like a trio record to me. Mm -hmm. There's no bells and whistles, but I love the energy of that first song. It's got that pogo bad religion double time tempo it's maybe a little bit faster but i love the second pre-chorus with the oz and how that changes it a little bit leading uh, into yeah, the yeah. second chorus and it's got a bit of that green day chord progression that do 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 <laughs> and I, I love that a lot of these songs are only two minutes and 20 seconds too yeah. which is really cool you're in and out this isn't a very long record but it just it's satisfying. It's 11 mm -hmm. songs. There's no fluff. This song really gets it started. Yeah, for sure. And then there's that crazy bridge, too, that gives me total Stefan from Descendants vibes. I love, too, that you have... It's become like a ritual to listen to this on Friday mornings. Yeah. It's... You're doing great things for their Spotify count, their Spotify Yeah, number. well, and tweaking or getting the algorithm to behave right. Like, that's been the push for this summer right it's like yeah the cover songs that's kind of an interesting cool thing i feel like i was expecting more managers and bands to follow suit to try to start manipulating their own spotify numbers what do you think of that what do you think of tom i'm not sure how you pronounce his last name i, I would botch it chilla is what i would say yeah like, that's what i was thinking too chichilla yeah. i love how active he is in their facebook mxpx group yeah. he's always championing the band and championing the fans and thanking people and asking them to be patient you know yeah. he's almost like the hr rep the customer service rep for them yeah he's he's fantastic and i feel like not that i really have any connections in the industry if you ask tom how he is perceived in the industry you know i feel like a lot of the booking guys or whatever he's like yeah i'm a real hard ass and you can treat me fair and we'll be cool or i can ruin your day but... <laughs> that's what i <laughs> um, want a manager i mean really yeah. but on the flip side like for those fans and you know i assume for the band they have had a long relationship now i think he's been working with mike for over eight years okay cool and yeah he's just fantastic at supporting and coordinating and so 2014 yeah friend of mine's 30th birthday he is arguably a bigger mxpx fan than i am and around that time, they were doing like the MXPX All-Stars thing. And I feel like it was just sort of like faltering a little bit, just like, oh, what do we do? How do we, you know, make this work? And just trying to, to test the waters with everything. And one of the things sure. I did was like, hey, do you want Mike to come play a private show? And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> there was a little bit of math. It's like, okay, so I remember in their like old albums, you know, 
there was a thing that was like, you know, for $10,000, we will come play your venue or whatever. So it's like, all right, so it's just Mike and, you know, it's this many years. And I'm guessing it's going to cost about as much as a really cheap used car. Uh, and mm -hmm. I was about right. But through that, I got to, you know, deal with Tom quite a bit to actually book and set up the show. And he really couldn't have been better to deal with. And then that kind of set us on a little bit of a, a path of like, he'd send me an email every once in a while, like, hey, you should book a flight to Denver for, you know, this weekend, more details to come. And I was like, okay, oh, like, I trust you. Um, yeah. It's like, there will be nostalgia. That's so, awesome. Yeah. He I, was giving you the inside scoop. I love that. That's so cool. Right. But still being kind of confidential. It's like, I know yeah. you want to be there. Get on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't divulge any other details other than you want to be in Denver this weekend. So did you go see him in Denver for one of the weekend shows? Yeah. We were there less than 24 Brad. hours. It was nuts. Such a great That's day. Awesome. and such a great experience. I haven't seen MXPX since about 2005. It's been that oh, long. Yeah. Yeah. It may have been after that at a warp tour, maybe one of the last warp tours that they did. I don't have much of a recollection of it. I think there's part of me that feels like the last time I saw him at warp tour was in 2003 when we were playing it. And that was the cacophony of sounds and influences that were always happening at any given moment when we were out there. I was sick on the 2003 warp tour. So oh. I was trying to catch as many bands as possible, but I had pneumonia right before we left. So yeah, it was awful. I had to spend a lot of the time in the van because I was just so sick, but it was still worth it. And I'm glad I did it, but it was, it yeah. was, that was a crazy summer, but yeah, I, I would love it if I could see MXPX again before, well, before I pass, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sure, sure hope that happens. And if there is yeah. anything I can do to help enable that, I've got a bunch of Southwest points I've been sitting on since COVID. <laughs> like, I will put you on a plane. Thank you, my man. That's a lovely offer. I appreciate that. What was the first song you heard? Was it Let's Ride? I'm sure it was. That was the first official single that they released, right? Yeah. Well, gosh, I don't remember exactly the timeline. I think we hadn't heard any of it until... So me and the MXPX superfan friend that I have, we both bought, contributed at the like $1,200 level for the Kickstarter for this album. Oh, cool. Um, and what that included was a private show and a listening party at Monkey Trench in Bremerton. Nice. And so we went up there, and I think that that was the first I had heard of any of it was sitting in the control room at Monkey Trench with like, you know, 12 people crammed in the control room, just giving it a listen. And I freely admit that that only like adds to how much, you know, I, I love this album, but I do think it's an objectively great album, but it, that was like, you know, like a voyage to Mecca or whatever. Like it was such yeah. a, a crucial, pivotal experience. Yeah, I'll bet, man. The experience definitely creates that connection, that hardwired connection to it. What was it like in Monkey Trench Studios? It's a cool place. Is that the house? Yeah. Their live streams at and everything? Yep, yep. And so when we were there, so that is basically like a big living room that's kind of like split in two and they kind of play in one half of it. And then and the other half was where the crowd hung out. And then there's a stairway that kind of wraps around and goes upstairs. And there's the control room and then a room that they do a lot of their recording, you know, drums and guitars and whatever in. And then there's a room that I think Mike does his podcast in. Not okay. entirely sure. That's cool. So that's like MXPX headquarters where he probably does all of his business venturing, everything associated with mxpx they probably keep merch there and stuff the merch is at the merch arsenal which is a property that i guess they bought a long time ago it's in a different part of bremerton but it's not okay. too far away so monkey trench is basically for playing and recording and hanging doing out. the podcast yeah Mike, was he doing the <laughs> i'm fascinated every time i see that house on the live streams and things i'm thinking that's such a great idea for a band their size and a band that's as noteworthy as mxpx is and how many fans they have it makes sense that you have almost like an office building where you're doing all of your mxpx related things because then it probably makes things easier from a business standpoint as far as taxes go and deductions go and and yeah. just having real estate to do all those projects in because then you can write off the entire property just like you would an office building or something right. yeah you wouldn't have to like well we use it 70 percent for living and 30 percent for business right. and yeah exactly yeah. but it's it's a cool place great vibes uh and i mean i I love Bremerton. We've been there a handful of times now. And cool. It's a cool place to hang out. It is a totally different vibe from Seattle. Oh, really? Yeah. 
How so? It's just a lot more relaxed and a little more isolated. It's like a small town, but in the context of a big town. Um, yeah. The coffee shop there is nice, and there's a over in Manette. There's a restaurant that like I've had the pot pie or something like that. It's like, yeah. Holy crap, this is good. <laughs> uh, so we. That sounds uh, amazing. We love Bremerton. It's, it's cool. worth the trip. And, you know, Mike has said it at some shows, maybe things are different with COVID, but he's like, hey, if you're ever in Bremerton, reach out, I'll, I'll buy you a drink. And the first time we went to Bremerton, he totally did. We met at a little arcade bar there. And Wow, that's rad. Yeah, he's very cool. Super cool guy. Class act. All the anyway, way. yeah, yeah uh, we should probably at least move on to track two. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can yeah. do that. All of it. What are your initial thoughts of all of it? I mean, it's a great second track. Yeah, you know, I, I think it settles in a little bit. A little bit know. more mid-tempo. Right, yeah. This whole album, I think you can basically split into roughly two categories, one of which is like reminiscing and reflecting on mm -hmm. what it's like to play music and then reflecting on what it's like to be a responsible adult and a good dad and mm -hmm. be yeah. invested in your family. And so all of it for me is, is really touching. Mike said that it was from Sailorhead. Yeah, Sailorhead asked him like, how much of your love do I need? And it's like, all of it. It's like, okay, that's that's lyrics. Uh, yeah, exactly. Let's turn this into a song, and it's great. Super cute. Yeah, I love that meaning behind it, too, and hearing him sing that. It's something that's, I'm sure, deeply connected to him. Yeah. And I also love the line, I'm going to save my time and spend it all on you. I really like that line. That's such a dad line, you know, a good... <laughs> family dad line. Yeah, yeah we're going to treat time like currency here. I'm going to use all of it for you. So clearly he enjoys being a family man. He seems like a great dad. I love yeah. seeing their family dynamic with his stuff and Holly's stuff on Instagram yeah. and everything. And I love the harmonies in the song too. The harmonies are really cool in the chorus and the uh, bridge yeah. part. Great bridge too. Really cool. And it's not a very long song either. It just goes right to the next. Yeah. I was going to ask you about this and we can talk about this. What are your thoughts about the fact that they essentially hired Casey Bates to engineer it, but not necessarily produce it? Because I feel like that was a smart move on their part. That's for as much inside baseball as I have, not something that I was really conscious of. Casey Bates is, for whatever it's worth, not a name that really struck me. I was like, oh, some guy who does records, you know? Yeah. Uh, but... He's well known for other bands, I think. Okay. Other types of bands. He's done, I want to say he's done some stuff for Equal Vision. Yeah. So he's worked for artists that are on labels like Equal Vision, Fueled by Ramen, Fearless, and he's out of Seattle. So maybe that's one of the uh, reasons they decided to go with him just because of his proximity. Yeah, I'm sure I've heard some of his work. I just didn't know it. He's um, done. Oh, he did Gatsby's American Dream Volcano. That's right. That's one of the records that I really like that he has done. He's also done stuff for Portugal, the man. He's done stuff for this Providence, forgive Durden, pierce the veil. So a lot of eclectic stuff, some yeah, of it yeah. heavier, some of it just a little bit more eclectic, but I feel like the tones he got on this are really great. Yeah. I mean, so try to like not get too far off topic, but I feel like the, this album for me, brings together like everything that I've ever appreciated about all of the previous MXPX albums. That's like, you know, there was a time where the songwriting was pretty good, but the production was a little weak. And then there was like the ever passing moment uh, and uh, before everything and after where like production is just like spot on uh, perfect but it's yeah but it's a little bit i mean overproduced and i feel like maybe too many uh, hands in the kitchen yes right what's in the kitchen some might say that it was produced in a lab or something yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, still great albums and then there's kind of this like weird dark period you kind of asked me like did you ever stop listening it's like well, I never stopped listening to MXPX but I didn't follow very much through like the panic and plans within plans mm -hmm. so that's just kind of like a, a blind spot that I have you know sure. but then coming back to this album it's like it's got the engineering it sounds so like raw and live but it's clearly a studio album and it captures mm -hmm. just that energy that yeah um, that i you know have craved ever since i heard at the show yeah and so. his voice you said delivery i can hear the delivery in his voice it's not too artificial in its pitch correction you can still hear the grit in mike's voice during certain parts which i think was a smart thing on their part to give his voice those dynamics and that personality right because i really love his voice on this record i think the drum tones are really good too specifically the kick and oh snare God, yeah. they just yeah. pop right out of the mix i love yuri's snare tone 
it does sound obviously professional and not necessarily overproduced drum tones. It sounds organic, but it still just pops right out of that mix. It's so big, but not overpowering. Like it just makes you, makes me feel like I'm there experiencing that and watching yeah. Yuri go nuts. What an underrated drummer too. As far as punk drummers go, I know Travis Barker, he can take up a lot of real estate in people's minds. Yeah. But Yuri is such a great drummer and he's always played in the pocket and he was arguably one of the fastest drummers. You know, you listen to uh, Life in General, right? Yeah, we used to have like, you know, I guess it's the music nerds version of like fantasy football or whatever, but, you know, try to like come up with what the super group pop punk would be, or we would have imaginary contests of like, okay, what if you put Yuri up against Cyrus, Cyrus Mm -hmm. Pahuki and... uh, you know, just like have all of these hypotheticals. It's like, man, there's a lot of people that got a lot of style, but Yuri can play fast and so accurately and so consistently. He's just a phenomenal drummer. And he was always the top of our imaginary lists. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And then Friday Tonight, which we mentioned earlier, another single that they released. Was Was that a song that popped out to you when you first heard it? Yeah, that actually, you know, it's, it's catchy on its own. It's catchy because of the or it's remarkable i guess because of the arguable profanity um you know and so like that made it stick in our heads more uh sure and uh, we for the rest of the weekend when me and my friend and our wives who are also friends uh (laughs) that was the song that like we were singing the rest of the weekend like we didn't really know any of the song but yeah in the kitchen you're in the kitchen like it was that (laughs) was like the soundtrack to our weekend. Uh, it's, yeah. It's a solid it, song. As somebody that watched Friday when I was young, I didn't catch the reference at first. I just noticed the fact that he dropped the GD and I thought, oh, okay. They're, <laughs> they're putting themselves out there. You know, there's probably going to be some people that are very mad on Twitter about this, but I don't think they really cared that much. I think they knew what they were doing and maybe yeah. they get a pass because it's a reference to a movie that's popular. Like a quote. Yeah. Yeah. But I love the lyric in that song. I just jotted this down just because I was watching a lot of the lyric videos and I love the part where he says, you win some, you lose some, mm-hmm. but you live to fight another day. Yeah. So great, right? And that's sort of like you were saying earlier, this album has a lot of reflection and introspection mm-hmm. in it. And I think that's a good place to come from. And it makes sense from the standpoint in their lives. Being in middle age, for lack of a better term, <laughs> that sounds like they're ancient, which they're not. They're in the mid 40s, so they're still young. But yeah, there's still plenty to reflect back on being in this band yeah. for almost 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be 30 years next year, which is crazy. Yeah, I'm sure they've they've got plans. Ooh, there you go. Nice. I wore my uh, Pix Pix shirt for the occasion. Yeah, dude, I was looking for mine. I have one. It was one of the releases that Legionnaire did where it's just got the punk guy on the front. It's a black shirt, but I couldn't find it. It's in there somewhere, but I'm going to wear that. I'll forgive you. (laughs) Thank you. And then right into Let's Ride, which the verses... They tell the story, right? It's, it perfectly indicates where MXPX, where they are in their career, and more mm-hmm. importantly, where their fans are residing too, right? Mm-hmm. From an adult perspective, one that looks fondly back in introspection, but there's still clearly things to do. There's still work to do. We're still trying to be a better person. So we can reflect back on the past to hopefully guide us in the right direction for the future. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely a lot of emotions tied up in this one. And, you know, I just love like, yeah, we've we've taken all of this input, you know, we've gotten to where we are in life. And let's go from here. You know? Yeah, Uh, I feel like Mike is setting the scene where he's enjoying the moment. He's trying to stay present, but he's still looking to the future. He's toggling back between those two. Find all the bluest guys. He's still <laughs> looking on the bright side, which I think is cool. That's one of the cool things about this record is it's fairly optimistic. It is. So maybe that's why it puts you in a good frame of mind on Friday mornings. Yeah, I do. Like, I tend to be a pretty reflective person anyway. And I spend a lot of time just sort of wondering, like, where am I screwing up? What can I do better? You know, and trying to balance all of that against the stresses of life, which I know is such a huge part of what you do professionally. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I just, it resonates really well with kind of my approach to life. And it's always good to have some of that positive, encouraging perspective. I, as you know, I run slowly, but I run as much as I can manage. And uh, the thing about me running is there are so many days where I don't want to do it. I hate doing it. I find every way to procrastinate, but if I can get out of my front door, I will complete 
whatever is it 10 miles 11 miles whatever i will do it and so i just feel like that aligns helps me just like sit down focus do the thing well there's so many metaphors within that you're triumphing against adversity you're getting that daily small win you're purposefully delaying gratification right i really respect people that are able to do that because i think in this hyper modernized culture it's very easy to always be searching for instant gratification and we really can succumb to our hedonistic desires where we want that instant gratification, right? So I commend you. I didn't know how fast you ran, but I knew you liked to run. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty that's slow. Cool, man. That's I, okay. Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know, I'm doing it. My heart health is uh, better than it's been in years. And like that is, that's the reason that I do it is to try to get my heart and liver back in shape. And so it's awesome, man. It's a big deal. And well, you know, I'm a fan of exercise, so <laughs> I respect you, man. Good for you. I was going to ask you a question related to running. Do you listen to music when you run or do you listen to anything? I do, but it's so I like to listen to music that I like when I run, but I also try very hard to keep my cadence up and my target cadence is 180 steps per minute, Okay, um, which is pretty high. It's not crazy high, but most people, like if they just go out for a run, they'll be between like 140 and 140. 60. So I have a playlist that's a couple hours long that is songs that are all either 180 or 90 beats per minute. I think okay. there's one that's like 185. It's like a Less Than Jake song. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I love Less Than Jake so much. Uh, it was like, you know what? I can run five steps per minute faster for you. Um, for two minutes? Yeah. Two and a half? Um, hey, so, just so you know, that new Game Time song is 180. Oh, is it? Yeah. I will drop it in that playlist. That's awesome. <laughs> that's rad, man. Yeah. And dude, if you do that, I'm not pressuring you or anything. Shoot me a photo of you doing it. I'd love to yeah, share yeah. that if you if you wouldn't mind me sharing yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I think that's our double time BPM is 180. That was where we almost always ended up. Like we would just sort of ask our drummer, like, "Hey, does that feel right?" And he'd be like, "Yeah, it feels right." And then yeah. like if you actually go back, you know, do like tap tempo, every song that we had was like 180 beats per minute. <laughs> really? That's awesome. It's, it's pathetic. It makes you wonder though if there's something hardwired within us to be okay with it because sometimes recording this new game time song there were some people that are friends of mine now that didn't really grow up with punk rock and i let them listen to it and i asked them does this throw you off the fact that it's so fast that yeah. that's a little jarring for some people a little weird for some people but it seems like people at least understand it it's not like the blast beat where it's like shocking the first time you hear it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh maybe not so danceable but yeah, uh definitely, definitely not. enjoyable you can bounce yeah. to it spaz to it yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah. This is basically the only dancing I know how to do. And then sometimes I pick <laughs> up one foot or the other. Yeah, uh, same. Yeah. Oh, man. We, we still have, what, seven songs? <laughs> seven songs. Let's speed round. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to go through these quick. Uptown Streets. I wrote that it almost has an ACDC guitar intro. Is that okay. bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like this could be a great tumble down tune. Yes. Which, by the way, have you noticed that there have been a couple of Instagram things from tumble down recently? No, I haven't. Yeah, I that's cool, though. If he puts out a record, I'll be stoked. I love the tumble down yeah, stuff. It's fantastic. Anyway, it fits his yeah, voice. It, totally, well. it does. And then right after Uptown Streets, which is a little bit slower. It's almost got that Americana vibe to it. You've got 2020 hindsight, which coincides with what we were just talking about. That double time near and dear to my heart with a fast double time beat. Super catchy chorus. Great harmonies. The harmonies sound like Tom, but I would imagine Mike sang the harmonies. Did he mention I would that? be surprised. I don't think so. We didn't really get, you know, a breakdown, but every time, almost every time that I've like stopped to pay attention to who's singing a harmony on this album, it's been Mike. Uh, okay. But there's I a am... couple of that are very much Tom. I okay. can hear not like the actual harmony, the harmony lines. I'm pretty sure you're right. That's all Mike. Yeah. There's just a couple Oz. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think which song it is. This is the way we do those Oz. Uh, yeah. That's uh, the next song. The way we do it. Okay, Life Goals. Or maybe it's 2020 Hindsight. The Oz in the chorus from Tom reminds me of classic MXPX Teenage Politics era. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. this is a good introspection song too, highlighting the band's career. So definitely more reflection. But yeah, nothing, he's not lamenting the past. He's not being cynical about it in any way. It's almost like there's a sense of gratitude. Yeah, and I think that that's you know, a thread throughout the whole album is you know, appreciate where you've been. And even if sometimes it sucked or sometimes you you know, we're in trouble potentially for stealing food from bad religion stressing room. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, like all of that feeds into who you are and where you are now. Um, 
I didn't know they toured with them when I was doing the deep dive for slowly going the way of the Buffalo. I didn't realize that on that tour run right after they were on tour with Blink, they went to the UK and opened for Bad Religion. Yeah, had, which is I pretty cool. Know, but... I bet they got a lot of flack for that back then. You know, maybe people didn't realize it because we're here in the States and the UK, they don't care as much. Yeah. As heathens, but Mike maybe has told some stories about the bad religion guys giving them a hard time. Like they were on a plane making some joke about like, well, at least we got the God boys with us or whatever. Uh, <laughs> so our plane's not going to crash. That's like, funny, though. That is cold. You know? I feel like Greg Hetson, anytime you see him interview, Bad Religion started off as more of a way to try to shock people in the 80s. Uh, yeah. It was more of, well, we want to piss off our parents. So this is the <laughs> name that we're choosing. Yeah. But really, when you listen to them speak, all of them, even Mr. Brett and Brian and Greg, anytime I watch them being <laughs> interviewed, you can very clearly tell they're very thoughtful people and very intelligent people. And it doesn't necessarily seem like they're trying to shock people with their band name anymore. It's just become synonymous with who they are. And and I'm sure they became friends on the Warped Tour, right? Yeah, it sounds like the... Uh, uh, the relationships there are all pretty good. It's just, you know, getting a little bit of uh, ribbing whenever they were on that first outing together. And going back to at the show, I love the fact that a year later they put out an EP on fat. That was so cool. Uh, was that Renaissance? Yeah. Yeah. They may yeah. have done it with rock city at first. Cause I know some people, I was talking to Mike Hinterberger, this author, and he, that's his favorite MXPX release. And he remembers it being released on rock city. And I think it may have been, and then fat just re-released it on their label or something. But I think that shows some solidarity between these secular yeah. and MXPX. Yeah. And for what it's worth, that is my second favorite studio release from MXPX. It's Renaissance so good, City. man. Yeah. Yeah. Lonesome Town's one of my favorite MXPX mm-hmm. tunes. Absolutely. Yeah. And then after 2020 yeah. hindsight, you've got Life Goals, which is, it starts off with the only darker chord progression, the only darker sounding chord progression on the album. Yeah. I feel like that was intentional. Maybe they decided, oh, this one's a little bit darker, but it has that more upbeat chorus. So we're still going to throw it on the album, but we're going to put it somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, it fits mm-hmm. in. There's kind of a, a stretch of this album where like, I just sort of had like synchronized with it and some of the songs kind of blend together. And this is kind of that segment right here, like the way we do through uh, Pipe Dreams. And I feel like Life Goals and Pipe Dreams are both like- They're like sister songs. Yeah, right. So they're, they're so similar anyway. Uh, yeah. And it seems like he's saying without goals, you're nowhere, almost directionless. So he's reflecting yeah. on just having goals in general. And I would imagine these are a couple songs where it seems like Mike is talking to himself, perhaps mm-hmm. even yeah. about MXPX. And I'm wondering if this was him saying that there's no reason the band can't still be a huge success. Having life goals, even at this point in his life, and maybe it's a pipe dream, but I'm going to move on regardless. I'm going to move forward regardless. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'd love to get him on the show and ask him. Yeah. Well, maybe someday. I, it is It is totally conceivable. He's a <laughs> super nice and accessible guy, and I know yeah. that you and I know him at least a little bit. Do you enjoy his podcast? I do. I don't listen super regularly. I try to listen to all the Tom Chichilla episodes because I just, I mean... I love Tom and he does the, you know, like Facebook group thing, but he's a, he's a little like reserved about, you know, his, his personal business or whatever. And Mm -hmm. so like, he doesn't usually go out to the shows. Like apparently none of the crew, he knows that the people at the shows can handle it. And if he's there, he's just going to cause trouble. Um, (laughs) So I always tell him like, Hey man, I hope to see you at a show. He's like, not going to be there. And all right. He's just behind the scenes, like really behind the scenes. Yeah. Not in front of the scenes. Now I don't remember what I was saying. <laughs> oh, sorry. I Tom Chilla is awesome. That's all we need to know. I need to go back and listen to some of those episodes because I always find it fascinating, the behind the scenes people who are really running the show or at least pulling the trigger on some of these things and mm-hmm. really getting their hands dirty. He seems like a numbers guy too, which I've always appreciated. He looks at the numbers of streams and really tries to dissect what they mean. Yeah. And well, he's done a good job with other bands too. He works with Five Iron. He works with Unwritten Law and he's gotten Unwritten Law to come out of their show a little bit and be a little bit yeah. more active i know they're working on a new album they've been working on it forever hey. but they did those 20 year anniversary tour shows of the self-titled record from 1998 which is my okay. favorite unwritten law record and <laughs> they were huge successes they yeah. played four shows and they were all sold out yeah that's awesome i feel like that was all tom 
Side note, my favorite unwritten law record is the acoustic from music in high places, like from that TV show. Yeah, it's phenomenal. so good. It's a great yeah. one. Yeah, it's almost like a greatest hits record, too. It's- yeah, it kind of is. And that does make it feel a bit like a cop out. But it's so unique. I think that yeah. I can I can sleep well at night knowing that that's my favorite. Yeah, um, no, I like Tom a lot of those also, versions. Yeah. And Tom also has been working with Goldfinger, right? That's right. Yeah. So you can see there's continuity. I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but I like this. There's <laughs> continuity between some of the artwork because you see the artwork that's been released for all of the MXPX stuff, all the singles, all of the shows and everything in the live stream. Mm-hmm. And you see that crossover with bands like Unwritten Law, Five Iron Frenzy and Goldfinger, yeah. which is really cool. I think that's a good idea. And I think they do a good job of marketing everything. And that just makes people more interested in the things, you know, I'm more yeah. interested and listening to these singles that are released by these bands when they have this accompanying artwork, it's just something that's enticing and just grabs your attention right out of the gate. Yeah. And it's got a lot of history behind some of the logos and yeah, the MXPX art, both in terms of the album art and the posters that they were doing for their shows has been phenomenal. I have, I don't even know how many of those posters upstairs that someday, whenever we refinish our basement, I'm going to hang them all. Yeah, Uh, dude. But for now, that'll be rad. They're just eternally, being kept flat (laughs) (laughs) that's okay man you've got time you've got time you're a young man disaster sorry what's that disaster i just put the one line that really stuck out you are my anchor no matter where this vessel goes so it seems like in this one he's talking to holly yes absolutely this is actually my favorite not that i'm much of a person for favorite favorites but like if i had to pick a favorite on this album you know this is the one that i feel like just speaks to me in such a great way recognizing you know how amazing and enabling uh it is to have someone with you who can help you manage the chaos and see through it and better yourself and you know and again you know that gratitude theme is so so present here and then of course reminiscing about you know some of the good silly times they had you know i had the best time with you running around the house all laughing wishing this moment was forever lasting it's like yeah yeah i get that i feel that and you know it's pretty relatable like it's love there are lots of songs about love yeah but this one's fantastic it comes out so strong like the guitar riff at the beginning of it it's simple but it really just sets the tone you know it's a great composition yeah a lot of these songs are simple but they're still a lot of fun to listen to there's nothing too terribly complex about them but they do go in some interesting directions and i think even on this song there's a cool transition into the bridge where it almost feels like a b half of the chorus and then it goes right into the bridge he's got the part where where he's his voice is a little bit more delayed and a little bit more back there ah uh, yes yes uh like i find myself calling you yeah and then he comes right back into the last chorus which is cool yeah but yeah i echo that same sentiment reflecting on how we feel about our better halves right yeah. it's nice to have a teammate for life yeah yeah and you know it doesn't necessarily have to be you know a wife or a girlfriend like you know there are lots of like platonic relationships where it's just like you and me ride or die let's get this done and cannot overstate the value of uh, that kind of relationship absolutely man i couldn't agree more i'm a much better person with my better half around me Well, dude, thank you for doing this. We got to cover the last song, right? We do. Moments like this. But I appreciate you going through this album with me. Yeah, moments like this, man. It's like the mission statement of the record. <laughs> the glue of all the themes. I yeah, it, it ties it up really well. And of this group, I feel like it is the obvious choice, right, for a closer. Yeah. But it's solid and reflective. And I think that this is one that is... Even though I don't think it's really said explicitly, like this seems like a dad song, you know, mm-hmm. to me. Uh, Absolutely. Like the perspective of, you know, being a father. And I'm not a father. I'm not a father figure. Neither hope or I have kids. But I have a lot of love for a lot of people. And, you know, I just love that sort of like stewardship or investment and in somebody and people yeah, dude. be the best version of themselves. So there's a lot that I can relate to here, even if being a dad isn't exactly me. Oh, sure. Well, it's also a song about enjoying the moment for what it is yeah. and just being present, which is something that's so hard for us to do as busy adults. I'm sure you feel that there's, yeah, I can relate. Times, there's so many times these days where I'm just like, okay, let's take a deep breath and just stay present here for a second. We made it. Yeah, we, did we made it. it. Yeah. One more thing about that song okay of the fact that it's the culmination of the old and the new and if you watch the music video there's a lot of really cool old footage from the band playing oh, and yeah 
So revisit some of those. I'm, yeah. I'm really bad about watching videos. So I am too. I mean, I don't really do it anymore just because typically you have to go searching for them on YouTube or if somebody releases a lyric video and it's the first single, I might check it out. But otherwise I don't purposefully go and watch the music videos yeah. anymore, but they did a good job of doing a lot of cool music videos for this release and everything. And none of them are too terribly involved. You can tell there is maybe a similar person doing the majority of the filming and everything, which is cool. I think that's a great idea from a band yeah. like that, putting out a new release and everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they have really dialed in their crew and all of the sort of support characters, the artists and the videographers and whatever, like they found yeah. the people that they work well with, and there are these common themes. My wife and I have been working through the Steven Spielberg directorial works, so we've been watching his movies in chronological order, and it's awesome. cool to see. It actually has been a great experience, but it's cool to see how, you know, there's a little bit of, like, variation early on, but then, like, the next 20-something movies are, like, the same casting director, the same costume designer, the same lighting, you know, and these are people that are very diverse and can jump into, you know, all these different things from like Schindler's List to Jurassic Park but you know like when you find your crew you can do amazing things even if there are these through lines that kind of make it feel the same mm -hmm. it's still good yeah. Yeah. And it's almost a miracle when you think about it. The fact that you can get that many creative types on one page, whether it be for a band that's running like a well-oiled machine, which is really cool because it does create that. This is their sound. This is their look, their aesthetic. This is who they are. And they're happy with it. And it represents them well. And then you think of a film where there's hundreds of people all coordinating with one another. And I've always been fascinated with that. Just the idea of creating a movie. And then the movie ends up being great or good. Yes. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. It's difficult enough getting three guys to agree, you know, on one thing. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I The reason that my cover band is a three piece is because every time we add a fourth piece, it all falls apart. <laughs> it's like three is the threshold. Yeah, that's what game time is at the moment. We're three people. So we, oh, yeah. you never know. We might expand, but as of right now, we're just having fun recording yeah. my old demo ideas. Yeah. I'm Dude, so excited for you. Thanks, I, man. I, I appreciate great. it. Cool to see. I think you'll dig the next song. The next one's a little bit more mid-tempo, falls a little bit more in line with, I think, this album as far as like the tempo goes and everything. But I'll send it to you. I want to get okay. your thoughts. Okay. Dude, this is fun. Uh, we've been talking about this forever. This is a really fun time. Yeah, I'm I, reminiscing about this. I feel like just in preparation for this, I feel a little bit more connected to this album. I don't know. I might have to steal your ritual and start listening to this on Friday mornings. <laughs> Start that weekend right off. Yeah, do it. I highly recommend it. Cool. Well, dude, have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Yes, Enjoy your you. Sunday. Thanks again for spending time with me. Yeah, and total pleasure. I'll be in touch, man. We'll right chat. On. Talk to you later. All right, take care. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to help the podcast out, if you want to do a massive solid for us here at Having a Blast, if you could just leave us a review, a five-star review would be amazing wherever you listen to podcasts. Or if you just want to recommend this podcast to a friend who might enjoy it. All right. Hope you have a wonderful day. Hope you're having a blast listening to your favorite records. I'll talk to you later. Hey.